This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. We are in the last book of the Bible. The revelation of Jesus Christ to John the Apostle given to the church. Revelation means to unveil like this curtain to pull back so that you can see what was hidden. Last week we looked at Revelation 4 and 5 and found that what is hidden is that God is on the throne in full control and the Lamb, which looks like he is slain, Jesus Christ is standing among God's people. And the Lamb is given a scroll and on it is written the whole meaning of life, the whole meaning of history. And now, Revelation 6 and 7, the Lamb, Christ, begins to open the scroll, breaking the seven seals with which it's sealed. Revelation 6 and following are where most churches stop. They don't go this far. So you are venturing into territory that few go into. And it begs the question of why is there evil when Christ is enthroned? It's Annie Dillard, the author, who voices the chief theological question we all want to ask. What in the sand hill is going on here anyway? So that brings us to Revelation 6. Verses 1 through 8, with portions following. Then I saw the Lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures call out, as with a voice of thunder, Come! I looked, and there was a white horse. Its rider had a bow. A crown was given to him, and he came out, conquering and to conquer. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature call out, Come! And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people would slaughter one another. And he was given a great sword. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature call out, Come! I looked and there was a black horse. Its rider held a pair of scales in his hand and I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for one day's pay, three quarts of barley for a day's pay, but do not damage the olive oil and the wine. When he, the lamb, opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature call out, come. I looked and there was a pale green horse. Its rider's name was Death and Hades followed with him. They were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, famine, and pestilence and by the wild animals of the earth. Picking up in chapter 7. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind could blow on earth or sea or against any tree. I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. 
he called out with a loud voice to the four angels, who had been given power to damage earth and sea, saying, Do not damage the earth, or the sea, or the trees, until we have marked the servants of our God with a seal on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, sealed out of every tribe of the people of Israel. Going over to verse 11. And all the angels stood around the throne, and around the elders, and the four... Verse 9. After this, I looked. There was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and around the angels and the four living creatures, they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. Let us pray. Living God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, one in three, three in one. We pray that you would now seal us with your Holy Spirit, that we may receive a word from you that lasts our whole life long into eternity. We ask this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. I was delighted this week to spend some time with Ed and Carrie Pronley, who are seated here, wave your hand. They are graduates of a school where they learned how to make film documentaries. A documentary film takes a viewer behind the scenes and gives a revelation of what would otherwise be unknown. What becomes known has the power to change the present and affect the future. Let me give you an example. Seven years ago, the documentary film Blackfish came out. It told the story of Tilica, an orca sea whale which had been in various sea world theme parks throughout this country. And Tilica was involved in the deaths of three people. What the film showed was the devastating effects that captivity has on the orca whale, which are highly intelligent, sensitive creatures. They suffer deep and lasting grief when they're separated from their family. They experience anger and depression when they lose the wide open ocean and are put instead in shallow pools. The film is heartbreaking. And people's eyes were opened through that documentary and government stepped in and banned the use of entertainment-driven whale captivity. SeaWorld announced that it was phasing out all live performances of orcas. What was known through the documentary led to change. 
And that's what Revelation 6 and 7 does for us because it answers three questions. What happens on the earth as the Lamb is reigning right now in heaven? Second, what does evil do? And three, who can stand in evil times? So what happens on earth as the Lamb is on the throne? I want to ask you what you believe. Because what you believe is going to affect your quality of the Christian life. Are you disappointed? Are you disillusioned as a Christian, wondering why your faith doesn't work any better than it does? Let's look at chapter 6, those first eight verses. Four times, Jesus the Lamb opens a seal, and four times we hear a creature, one of the four creatures calling out, Come! as a prayer. Four times, a horse and a rider go out into the world, each horse being a different color. That does remind me of watching The Wizard of Oz in the red and yellow and purple, brightly colored horses that they film. I learned that when they made The Wizard of Oz, the uh, ASPCA did not allow them to use dye on the white horses, so the technicians tended the horses with cherry, lemon, and grape jello they had trouble in between the takes keeping the horses from licking off the colored jello. Think about that when you see that next time. So what is happening that happens four times as a sequence? The land opens a seal and someone prays, come. It's a, it's a prayer for the lamb to fully and finally response? Bad things happen. Represented by four horses and riders. Now, Jesus' coming does not cause terror and misery. But as Jesus answers the prayer in his coming, opposition arises. That results in misery and terror. Because God's kingdom upsets the status quo. The coming of Christ will flush out evil, and evil always responds with resistance. I have to ask you, you've probably seen this in your own lives. How do you know when someone wants to hold on to some dark, destructive practice? You know it by how angry and defensive they become when they are presented the truth. Evil resists Christ's coming. And it's been that way from the beginning. The King of Heaven entered into human life, the birth in Bethlehem. Immediately, King Herod tried to have him murdered. Jesus pronounced the kingdom of God and showed it in his words and his deeds that truly the kingdom had come near. And the religious authorities, the government authorities, had him killed 
God's kingdom power was demonstrated in the raising of Jesus in the resurrection, turning the disciples into bold ambassadors of the kingdom. The religious and the government leaders killed and persecuted the followers of the Lamb for the first three centuries. Anytime the kingdom of God comes into a person's life, into a church congregation, it will clash with those who are in rebellion. Perhaps you've experienced this in your own family or your work environment. You know the phrase, NIMBY, not in my backyard. That's what evil does when Christ is coming in, not in my backyard. Not unless you want the fight of your life. So followers of the Lamb get caught in this crutch. Those who go through it, go through an ordeal. We didn't read the rest of chapter 7 of Revelation. But you see that those who are around the throne are, are told that they have gone through the great ordeal. Ordeal is the word for persecution. We've studied it before. It's that word lepsis in Greek, which means crushing pressure. They go through the mega lepsis, the mega pressure. It's going to squeeze the very life out of them. They have come through that. So we find that you and I have tasted it and we will have more. Scripture also shows us that evil is not on the throne. It's on a leash. We, we saw that as we looked at chapter 6. That the, the horse and the rider that came out that was white was given a crown. Verse 4. The rider was permitted to create violence. We heard that they were given authority. Evil can do no more than God allows. It's always on a leash. Jesus told his disciples, John 14, 30, the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me. Evil is not from God. God's way is the Lamb's way. Sacrificial love. Suffering love. Evil results when people resist Christ's coming and God permits them to do what they want. This is what we see in chapter 6. God takes his hands off. Giving people permission to respond by saying, no, not in my backyard. And evil results. When our son was 10, he insisted that I allow him to work in the kitchen alone, making his own donuts. I did not think he was ready for this enterprise, but he assured me and got me out of the kitchen. With a 10-year-old, you respect that they're trying their wings. What resulted? Well, boiling oil, a ball of fire, a singed 
ceiling and burn hair. God permits rebellion, but only so far. And only for a limited period of time. Evil is on a leash, not the throne. Brings us to our second question. What does evil do? We're going to look at those four horsemen and the other things that follow. The first that we see is that when the seal is broken, a white horse whose rider has a bow, crown, which represents authority, is given to him. He comes out to conquer and to conquer it. Conquer is the Greek word Nike. Now you won't know exactly how that was used by the athletic company. Nike, conquer, victory. It's used later in Revelation for personified evil. The beast comes to conquer. The bow is a biblical symbol for military power. So the rider represents militarism, riding in conquest. Does this rider on a white horse represent Christ? Biblical commentaries Robert Mounts and Daryl Johnson think not. The rider wants to imitate Christ. Conquer by deception. We've heard before, 2 Corinthians 4, 11, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Jesus tells us that many people will come saying, I am the Messiah, and try to lead even God's own people away. Evil tries to conquer by deception. You remember Lance Armstrong? In 2001, Lance Armstrong, who won seven of the Tour de France races, he made an anti-doping commercial for Nike. In the commercial, Armstrong boldly states, this is my body, I can push it, study it, tweak it, listen to it. Everybody wants to know what I'm on. What am I on? I'm on my bike. Six hours a day. What are you on? 2006. Armstrong took sworn testimony that he had never taken drugs because he had too much to lose. He represented all those who put faith in him as cancer survivors all around the world. In October of 2012, Armstrong was stripped of his seven titles, his seven victories, permanently banned from professional cycling. The U.S. Anti-Doping Commission found him guilty. He attempted to conquer by deception. Where do you see deception at work in the world today? It is evil. But deception is not the only manifestation. Let's go through this quickly. The first seal is broken, and we hear the prayer, come, and the white horse goes out. And those who refuse the way of the Lamb will fall into deception and greater and greater militarization. The second seal, red horse, 
If the world refuses the way of the Lamb, there will be greater and greater violence. People will turn against one another. Third seal, the black horse. If the world refuses the Lamb, there will be greater and greater injustice and hunger in your bulletin today. You will see that the number of people who were starving in the world were 80 million before COVID. Now it's 260 million. The poor work, but it does not pay enough to eat. The rich have plenty of oil and wine. The fourth seal is broken, and you see a pale green horse. If this world refuses the lamb, there will be greater and greater sickness and death. What Eugene Peterson calls biological evil. We see this every day with COVID. Fifth seal. If this world refuses the lamb, there will be more and more religious persecution. The faithful followers of Jesus will be caught in the crunch between the coming of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. What is the prayer? How long, Lord? How long? Sixth seal. If the world refuses the way of the Lamb, nature itself will go more and more berserk. One natural catastrophe will follow another, leaving everyone undone. What is the prayer? Who can stand? Now, which manifestation of evil is not present today? What does that mean? It means Christ is coming. Not that he will come. He's in the process of coming. And evil is reacting more and more. So now we get to our final question. Who can stand? Chapter 7. It's those who are sealed. No damage from evil happens until God's servants are sealed on their foreheads. We heard it read in Psalm 91. No evil shall befall you. Does that mean nothing bad ever happens? No, we know that Christians suffer and die. Means no evil, no God separating event will ever take place. You are safe in life and in death. You belong. You are marked. A seal is a sign of ownership. I own you. I recognize you. I know you as my own. John heard that the number of those who were sealed was 144,000. As one commentator says, it's a very suspiciously tiny number. It's because it's symbolic, like all the numbers in Revelation. 144. We've got a lot of math people here. You know, 12 times 12. So you've got the 12 tribes of Israel. You've got the 12 disciples who became apostles. Multiply them. The old, the new covenant. Together. People of promise. You multiply that by 10. 
which is the number for completeness. It's complete. You multiply that by 10. By 10. So if you have three tens, you have got a trinity of tens. This is a big number, a numberless number. John heard the number, he turned and he saw what was a multitude that could not be counted from every nation and tribe and people and language. And they were standing before the throne. This is all the people from every age who are standing before the throne of God in heaven. Who can stand when evil is riding through the earth? Those who are sealed by God. Okay, what is this seal? What is this seal on the forehead? The forehead is obvious to onlookers. It's God's name. Does it mean you're, you've got a tattoo? It means God's very character, the character of Christ, is evident. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel is another one of those apocalyptic literature. And in chapter 9, a seal is placed on the forehead of everyone who is weary of sin and sighs over it. In Exodus 12, you have the seal, the blood of the Lamb, over the lintel of the door to show that this house is the Lord's. No death shall come. Everyone who's in this throne room is wearing a white robe. They come through the mega blitzes, that great ordeal. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They're sealed by the Holy Spirit. It changes their character. Obvious to onlookers. Are you sealed? Are you sealed? Do you trust in Jesus alone? For your salvation? Have you received as a sign the sacrament of baptism, the gift of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, working in you a new life so that you've grown over sin and you long for the kingdom to begin in you to be expressed in the world? Ask and you will receive. I close with this. Those who have traveled in Scotland will not be there long before you see sheep, lots of them. And if you are there long enough, you will see what may look very unusual. It will be a lamb who's running around with an extra fleece tied on its back. The fleece has holes for each of the legs and a hole for the head. It means that that little lamb's mother has died. And without the protection and nourishment from its mother, an orphaned lamb will die. If you introduce an orphaned lamb to a new mother, she will butt the lamb away because it does not smell like her own. So, in a large flock, the shepherd will generally have a ewe who has lost a lamb. And will take that lamb and take its fleece off of it 
and put it on the orphaned lamb and cover it and introduce it to the mother. When the mother sniffs the orphan lamb, she smells the fleece of her own lamb and accepts it as her own. The lamb who was slain is on the throne. Christ covers you with his righteousness. He seals you in the Holy Spirit. No evil shall befall you. No God-separating event will ever happen to those who are sealed in this life or the one to come. What you see in Revelation 6 and 7 has the power to change your life now and for the future. I have to ask, where do you stand? Where are you standing on? What is your confidence? Let us pray. Lord, we ask that we may be those that stand with you and have that assurance that nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. For those who have put their trust in you. So I pray this in your name. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.